very powerful song and a reminder of today's theme that only what's done for Christ will last. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this and I was reminded of an old song by Colin Buchanan, um, Only the Things of the Lord Will Last. Uh, the chorus says, they're all going to fade, they're all going to rust, they're all going to start to fall apart, they're all going to turn to dust. All that stuff is going to be trash. Only the things of the Lord will last. So the things that we, and I mean, we've just had Black Friday. I don't know if any of you get into that. I certainly don't. But, you know, this is the start of the silly season, I suppose, isn't it? And, um, and people seek and go after stuff and it's, it's dust um, really in the end, isn't it? And the things of, of God, the eternal things are what is important and what will last. Anyway, I'm not here to give a sermon. <laughs> that's, uh, that's for... Um, for Chris to do. Let's hear the Bible readings for today. The first reading is from Matthew 16, verses 24 to 27. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And our second reading, also from Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am a gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you, Pastor Chris. hope that's on. Yes, it sounds it. Ele electronics are a wonderful thing when they work and when they don't. Yeah, cactus. Anyway, only what's done for Christ will last. It's sort of like a testimony, but the longer you 
get away from, from your point of when you first gave your life to Jesus, you, well, at least I realise, you forget. Well, you don't forget the major details, but you forget the context. don't know about you, it's been over 45 years for me. My memory isn't what it used to be. But I have a picture. This is a self-portrait, so it's actually not exactly what I look like because it's a self-portrait. I probably looked a little bit worse for wear. But here, I'll leave that there for the time being. And so I'm thinking, if it's sort of starting as a testimony, and, but it's about what Jesus has done in my life and the change. But it's not me now, it's me 45 and a half years ago. And I was a very different person then. Thank heavens, yes. And you can. But back then I was, I had been working as an architect, but I hadn't finished my studies. It's funny, I went to New Zealand in 73 and, um, and my three years in architecture at RMIT qualified me as an architect in New Zealand. Just like it, because I went to RMIT, they sort of thought of the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology as something very classy and, and something that I, didn't take, I had taken for granted. But design and quality of design was everything making things last, leaving a legacy, knowing a good building from bad, a good design from bad, things that should be praised and things that need a bulldozer to run through it. Um, that made us very critical people. But it was all about architecture, quality, and leaving things behind that, that people will look up to and respect. Very superficial, but we didn't think of it at the time. And of course, architects, by and large, I wasn't, but most of the other people there were snobs, basically. They, they knew all the right things to say. They knew all, the, all about the fine arts. And, and I was in a, well, from a working class Irish family, basically. Very working class. Not that my father wasn't educated. He was extremely well educated. Uh, he was a paymaster for the United Nations in the Korean War. He went to the front line all the time because Americans like to be paid in cash. But that's getting off the point. Back in 19, July 1978, I, had, I was still recovering from a fractured knee um, from a motorbike accident. It doesn't pay to run into the back of Holden's, even if they merge in front of you at 110, 120 kilometres per hour when you're on a motorbike. And on a BMW, the, right, the left cylinder hit the back of the car and then hit my knee and did bad things to both and sort of it left the engine basically. Bad noises, horrible memories. Anyway, I stayed upright because the engine was stuck into the back of the, the back rear right of a HQ Holden sedan. Wonderfully st strong Holdens they were back in those days. But only for a second, thankfully. Then the brakes cut in, he accelerated away, and um, I managed to miss a few of the marker posts on the Hume Highway at speed. So God was working in my life even then. But in any case, I was, I was work working full-time as an architect in South Yarra, Melbourne. 
I was studying part-time at RMIT to finish my studies. I had injuries to my shoulder and my leg. My motorbike was still being repaired. I was being taken to court by the solicitor of the Holden driver from Queensland because the solicitor claimed that the driver had done nothing at all. Thankfully, uh, nothing at all wrong. Thankfully, I had a witness behind me who um, was also the my flatmate and another BMW rider, and, and he corroborated everything I said. And it should have been 100-0 because I was going straight and he was pulling out to pass a truck. You'd think it was black and white, but he was from Queensland and, and he believed he was right. And he had a solicitor and, insurance and an insurance company and I didn't. Pays to have insurance sometimes. But in any case, in the midst of all that and my struggles and exhaustion from working full-time and almost studying full-time, and it was only meant to be part-time study, but we had an 80-page thesis at the end of the year for design, one subject out of five, and I had four nights of lectures and about three or four nights of work, and I was working full-time, setting up an architectural office for a young architect in South Yarra. And then out of the blue, an old architecture student came and asked me, Chris, we've just lost our, one of our youth leaders, there's two of us, for this Baptist camp up in Croydon Hills. And, and you used to be a youth leader you, and, and we've got a building project and you're an architect, so you're just the right person. And I thought, sounds like a stupid idea. When I wasn't a Christian, I'd left the church many years ago and um, because I was only going to church because my father made me. And um, so he said, well, come along and meet some of the, the team. So I came along and I'd given up karate, but I took up table tennis. And uh, Peter was a great table tennis player. So we joined, I joined him playing table tennis and, and he explained the thing. I met a few of the others and I got talked in, into being a youth group leader on a full-on Baptist Christian camp, Christian youth camp. I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. Anyway, the weekend came up. Friday night was good. Saturday night they had this retired missionary and he looked about 90, not out, and, and uh, a very short, quiet person with a bent back and he still managed to smile, he'd lost a fair few teeth, but, but what he said was basically Matthew 11. And that is uh, basically that if you want to try and save your life, you're, gonna f you're going to fail. You cannot save your life. And that basically nothing will last except, and then he quoted C.T. Studd a famous Afri missionary to Africa, and he said, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And that began my search for an answer to what is life about. And on top of everything else, 
and the pressures and etc. I thought, okay, it's worthwhile. Well, I didn't actually have a good night's sleep because I was going over what he had said, and that is that basically nothing you put your life and energies into is going to last. So his challenge to me was, was everything I've learnt in all my years of architecture and postgraduate studies in New Zealand were a waste. Only what's done for Christ will last. So I thought I'd better check out. And I did that night. They gave me a Bible. I didn't have a Bible till then. So I quickly started and I said, where should I start? And they said, I'll start with the Gospel. So I went to Matthew and I went through the first few chapters and then I got to the one that the missionary has been speaking about, chapter 16. And I'll read it from the Bible. It says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Basically, that if you lose your life for Jesus, you will find it. And I've worked out out that, at least it must have been the Holy Spirit, that when you start following Jesus, you will find purpose and meaning. The real purpose and meaning. And I said, just by reading it, you don't get it. And so I asked that night one of the other youth leaders and my friend, and they said, oh, it's a journey. The Christian walk is a journey. I thought, I like that because on motorbikes so you go on long trips. I'd already done a trip from Sydney to Adelaide in one day. That was exhausting. That probably gave me a bad back, <laughs> a bad shoulder anyway. I had to go to a physio to get back on the bike again. Stupid thing sometimes. The wonders of youth. Remember, I was only 24, like, like there. I had long hair. No, I had longer hair than there. But it was trendy back then. Lots of things were trendy back then. Flares, they're not trendy anymore. <laughs> Purple jackets, yes, orange shirts. Anyway, so. And then the other thought. By losing one's life for Jesus, you will find it. And that whole idea of, of suddenly finding that, oh, Nothing will last. And then it came back to me. That's right. In architecture, first year architecture, building one, or history of building one, we'd learnt all about the seven wonders of the ancient world, these magnificent structures, magnificent things. The hanging gardens of Babylon. And they were described in great painstaking detail. But they've gone to dust. Uh, the, the temple of Diana in Ephesus, we saw it. Apparently, they managed to find fragments to put together one column to, so that that is the one remaining part. And, and when we went past it on a bus, they didn't even stop to show us, but they did point out, oh, there's a stork's nest on top of it. Nothing remains, not even, well, there, 
you could say the pile of stones that's left over from the giant pyramid of, at Giza, um, that's still there, but then I suppose if anyone puts enough rocks together and big enough, it's going to remain. So, I came to this conclusion that Jesus was focused on saving souls and he wasn't interested in buildings or architecture. So I thought I'd better change my focus. But that was after a sleepless night and a vision of Jesus on the cross in the morning. I just kept saying to God, sorry, I can't do it. I'm, I've got too much baggage. I get my purpose in life was getting on the motorbike and doing 200 kilometres per hour. And uh, you could do more than 200 kilometres per hour. Um, it was almost like a death wish. And, uh, and Jesus basically said, it doesn't matter. Yep, you'll sin. That's my job, forgiving. So after a sleepless night and a vision of Jesus, I, was, I made a a very reluctant promise that I'll do my best as long as you keep giving me a bit of slack here and there for the times I'll fail and let you down and everything else. But it wasn't easy working full-time, studying part-time, having these injuries, having the legal issues, and then on top of that, um, I had... Uh, I felt pressured to go to a, a weekly Bible study. I'd never done that before. I mean, it might be all sort of common to you and now, but back then I thought, I, knew, I realised I knew nothing about the Christian faith. I knew nothing about the Bible. I'd been a Catholic for about 19 years until I left. Um, but now I also was encouraged to go to Friday night youth group because I was now a bona fide youth group leader after a successful weekend where a few other people had sort of been encouraged in their faith. And then I was encouraged to go to Sunday morning and Sunday evening services. And I thought, well, I was on a bit of an adrenaline rush for a while, so it sort of helped. But in the long run, it made me even more exhausted. And then I came across this wonderful passage in chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 28, or to verse 29, where Jesus makes this incredible offer, which I'm sure you all know. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I must admit, the word rest sort of got me. I thought, oh, I need a bit of a rest. I need to look forward to when I've got all this behind me and um, it was pretty amazing but I couldn't really believe how can Jesus make this offer and share a yoke with millions of believers and he's one person he's got a yoke and said do we have to use our imagination is it by magic of course I later realised it was the, the Holy Spirit that does it. And then I could see, okay, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, so that made it more possible. I'm, I'm a concrete bricks and mortar person, so 
For you, with more imagination, it's quite easy, you know. Snap of your fingers. Yes, we believe. But as a young Christian, lots of things were odd and difficult if you haven't had a background, a Christian background. Those who have had a Christian upbringing, you can be very thankful. And then as a young Christian, I was encouraged, a very young Christian, I was encouraged in the midst of everything else to assist on a weekend with disabled children. I mean, with quadriplegia, paraplegia and everything else. So basically we were helping people to have a a break from their children. And it was a wonderfully humbling experience. But I couldn't cope with the idea. Oh, well, if God does healings, let's pray for a few healings. That would have been wonderful. And I've always had trouble trying to get around this until recently when I came across the book Pearls of Great Price by Joni Erickson. You probably know about her. She's a a girl who became a quadriplegic at age 18. And she wrote, I give God thanks for my quadriplegia. It has become the strange friend that helps me know Jesus better. It is the shadowy companion that walks with me daily, pulling and pushing me into the arms of my Saviour, where I find grace and comfort. I'm very thankful that I have arms and legs that work, and yet, A person who can say that, who can appreciate that her quadriplegia was a gift from God. That shows the power of the Holy Spirit who has used her. And yet Joni readily shares that her life has been full of blessings with the Holy Spirit and her many friends doing most of the heavy lifting for her. So God keeps his promises. And when Jesus said, take my yoke and learn from me, it was an offer. And just something else as a young wayward Christian, I was pretty wayward, but there was a, a little story back in the 70s which I was greatly encouraged by. Uh, Most of you, did you come to faith in the 70s? Hands up those who came to faith in the 70s. Hands up those who came to faith in the 60s. All right, well, then you probably have heard this story, but this was one of my great encouragements because I felt I let God down a lot. A man had a dream. And in his dream, images flashed up of the important moments of his life, his personal triumphs and failures, his coming to faith, and his family's highs and lows. As he turned to look back on his life, he noticed that there were two sets of footprints from the moment that he gave his life 
to Jesus. But often, after that, there was only one. And you noticed, often these were at his most difficult times. So he asked Jesus, Why was I left alone during the difficult times in my life when you promised to always be with me? Jesus answered, I never left you when you see only one set of footprints. That was when I carried you. And the longer I am on this journey with Jesus, I recognise that along with Journey Erickson and many others, Jesus has been carrying me more often than not. So why only what's done for Christ will last is still important to me. For over 45 years I've been walking with Jesus. I say that reservedly, probably he's been carrying me more than half the time. It's, we have to give God credit where it's due. Maybe he's been carrying me 95% of the time. Maybe even more. But a few years ago, I was surprised by the words of a song that sort of summarised my Christian journey. It was in August 2018 when the Christian band Casting Crowns released their song, Only Jesus. And here's a few words. Make it count. Leave a mark. Build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams. Chase your heart above all else. But all the kingdoms built, all the trophies won, will crumble into dust when it's all said and done. Jesus is the only name to remember. And if you're going to leave any legacy, point to Jesus. And our walk will depend on Jesus individually and as a church. If we walk beside Jesus long enough, I believe, we're more likely to hear his voice and do as he says. So keep staying close to Jesus. And hopefully we'll be better able to reveal Jesus Christ, his life and love to those around us as well. And best of all, we'll be better prepared to meet Jesus face to face in heaven. May the Holy Spirit keep you all close to him and bless you. Amen. Now put this away.